Hi, you guys. My name is Alan Schwartz. Welcome to Online Service. I'm an elder from Impact Christian Church, and I'm so excited to share with you this message that God laid on my heart, also my testimony. So let's just open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. And during while you guys are opening your Bibles, let's say a prayer. Lord, we come before you this morning. Just speak through me, Father God. I thank you so much for this opportunity to share my testimony. I never take it for granted, Lord. We all have tests and trials, but without those tests and trials, we have no testimony. Lord, it says, as Jesus suffered, that we'll suffer also, Father God. I know that isn't something easy to hear for us, Lord, but it's just the reality, Lord. If we want to draw closer to Christ, then we also should expect to suffer just like Jesus did, Lord. But let us hold on to your promises. That if we're followers of Jesus Christ, the reward outweighs all the pain and suffering and sorrow that we go through. We all say amen. So excited as I share with you uh, during that prayer and before my with my introduction, just to share my testimony with you and everything that I've been through, as well as this journey that God has put me on for the last 17 years of my life. And during these 17 years, the hardest part was in the summer of 2000. And seven, I was 18 years old at this specific time in my life. My hope was gone. My anger was at an all-time high. I was questioning God. Why me? Why? Doubt would creep into my mind and heart often. I felt like I was getting punished. I felt like I was in prison. There was no light at the end of the tunnel because everywhere I turned, there were no answers from any doctor's. What's plaguing my entire body? What's causing me in a level 10 out of 10 pain from my neck down to my toes when I was a huge athlete before this? So many questions still remain. They're all questions and no answers. I thought maybe God was questioning, punishing me for being such an active kid. Why me? What did I, Alan Schwartz, do to deserve this? I remember specifically when it started, I went to my mother and I said, Mom, as I was crying and I said, Mom, is it because I was such an active kid growing up? This is my punishment. And her answer was no, not at all, as we're both bawling and crying in this specific time. And even to this day, I don't know exactly the reason for but I do know that God is using it for his glory and for his good. And I'm so glad for that. As each day went by in the summer of 2007, I was getting worse. The pain was being so gruesome that I became in a wheelchair. And as each day in the wheelchair got worse and worse, I was unable to do things that I loved that I would finally become bedbound, bedridden for six months straight, unable to do anything. And it was the hardest time of my life because if you know anything about me, I was a huge athlete before. So being in bed for six months straight felt like I had a life sentence in prison. I was losing hope. I was losing my mind being cooped up for six months straight in bed. I lost all my mobility. I was in so much pain and agony physically, as well as even spiritually and emotionally. So I want to share with you who are watching that you're not alone in those thoughts of when you're in pain and agony. Why me? And asking God those questions. To top this off, my parents, I felt responsible for their hardships financially. 
because the bills racked up to almost half a million dollars of medical bills. I also felt awful for my parents missing out on and my family missing out on family vacations, having to stay home and take care of me. We were huge campers at one time before this hit, and we loved going on vacations as family, but obviously that had to stop due to my illness and my ailment being in bed, and I felt so bad, and I felt like it's my fault that everyone's missing out on life because of me. I not only lost my mobility for six months straight, but it also seemed as though death was knocking at my door. As my entire body was shutting down with no answers from doctors, nurses, they couldn't explain what was going on. Six epidurals, seven spinal taps, a nerve block, spinal cord stimulator, lots and lots of tears. Seeing some of the best specialists in the United States with no answers. No light at the end of the tunnel. I was in so much pain, a 10 out of 10 pain, you guys, from my neck down to my toes. It was torture 24-7, seven days a week. And on several occasions, thinking to myself, how am I going to overcome this? How am I going to be at peace with this? Am I going to live? Am I going to get diagnosed? Does God have a plan and a purpose for my life? And if so, what is it? I also was humiliated, embarrassed, distraught. And also felt like a burden to my father because he would have to bathe me, give me showers, get me dressed. I couldn't do any of it because I was so weak and in so much pain. This was an unexpected twist in my life. And that's the sermon title, an unexpected twist in my life. What is the unexpected twist in your life that you're dealing with here today? Or twists and turns, many of them. Some of you, like myself, have been through hell and back, and it's a repeating occurrence. All your life, in fact, seems to be hell of late. In fact, when something good happens, you're surprised. But I do want to share hope with you and a great reminder of what the Paul the Apostle writes in Romans 8.18. He shares with us that I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us and why this is such an important message to me as well and impactful to me is because I came across it when I was bedridden and I quite didn't understand it. I didn't come to grips with it until much later and I know now that all the suffering that I go through on a daily basis, on a minute-by-minute basis even here today, that it will all be worth it when I see Jesus face to face in heaven. And the same for you. No matter the amount of pain you're going through emotionally, no matter the loss that you've suffered, as hard as it is, right, as challenging as it is, that the reward is worth it all. For example, athletes know this. I know this being an athlete myself, as well as pregnant mothers, as well as the mature Christian as well. Because these people are capable of enduring intense pain for long periods of time if there is a light at the end of the tunnel that's big enough with a great reward. And for the Olympic athlete or athlete in general, it's worth all the training for them to get better. It's worth all the dehydration, the aches, the pains, the fatigue, 
even broken bones that they endure if they get to hold up that first place trophy. It's worth it. For you mothers who are pregnant, God bless you for everything you go through during pregnancy and even after. Your whole bodies change. You get swelling of the feet, some of you. Uh, morning sickness, which is literally all day sickness. Some of you all pregnancy long. And then on top of it, you go through a 48-hour labor. And then to top it off, they say after these 48 hours that you need a C-section. But it's worth it all when you get to hold your healthy baby for the first time. You get to hear their cry, their heartbeat for the first time. And you get to hold them in your arms so tenderly. And so tight, you get to thank Jesus for your blessing, your child. It's worth it. And for the mature Christian, you might be suffering heartache, pain, sorrow, loss of a spouse, unexpected loss of a child, which I can't even fathom. But it's worth it all because your reward outweighs all the pain when you get to see Jesus Face to face in heaven for eternity. For eternity. If you are jotting down notes at home, please write this down. Our reward will outweigh any trials we'll face in this lifetime, as I mentioned earlier. When I was 17 years old, I started having severe back pain as a senior in high school. And the doctors told me something so unexpectedly. And every single one, they said, Alan, you have a herniated disc. And it's compressing on all your nerve roots. You have to have surgery and soon or else you could become permanently paralyzed because it's compressing on all your nerve roots. Distraught, I thought, are you kidding me? The healthy athletic Alan Schwartz, there's no way. As weeks went by and months went by, I saw myself. In a wheelchair. Me, Alan Schwartz, in a wheelchair. And so we went the conservative route. We tried epidurals with no help. In fact, they even made the pain worse in physical therapy. So we knew that this was our only option. It wasn't really a choice. It was necessary. So I had the surgery and I had big dreams and aspirations. I wanted to graduate with my high school class at Apple Valley Christian School. And God is so good. I was able to graduate with my high school class in Apple Valley Christian School just a few months later after my surgery. The wheelchair was gone. No needed it no longer. I was so happy. And I saw light at the end of the tunnel as well. But it was just for a short moment in time in my life. Next, if you're writing down notes, suffering can come to us so that God might ultimately be glorified. You know, even in the darkest times of our lives, and sometimes during the hardest and darkest times of our lives when we suffer the most, we draw closest to Christ. Romans 5, 3, 4 tells us this. It's such a good reminder. It tells us that we can actually rejoice in our sufferings because, again, they produce perseverance, which produces character, which produces hope. Hebrews twelve eleven. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, 
It produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. These verses are key and pivotal to our walk with Christ because when we take a minute to reflect on all the junk, all the mess, all the hardship that we've been through, we can realize our pain was instrumental and pivotal in developing perseverance to never give up. Character is produced by perseverance through suffering. Our hope is in the truth that we've seen these trials before and that God never disappoints. Hope never disappoints because God generously pours into our lives during times of suffering. Next, if you're jotting down notes, God shows up and does something special in our hearts. He fills us with love and perspective. Hebrews 12:11 if we go back to it it's something that I thought of when I was preparing to speak is when it says later on it doesn't say right away it says later on however it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it because for most of us most of the time when the storm hits the hardest they hurt us But later on, later on, when we reflect back and we look back, we can learn from them and understand that God was really with us the entire time. But most of the time, it's later on in life. And they were to teach us, it says, what to do, what is right. That's righteousness. The right thing, the godly thing is what it's meant to teach us. I want to talk about a few reasons, just a few here today, why we suffer. The first one, if you're writing down notes, is the Lord is creating for himself a bride with an admirable character. But it's not much fun getting there. But all to attest that storms aren't fun. Even if they're teaching us something, they're not always fun. But 1 Samuel 16, 7 is such a good reminder. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel... Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him, because the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Through suffering, God wants you to have a new heart. What I mean by that is God looks at your heart. He doesn't look at the way you look physically like people do. He looks At your inward, he wants you to have a renewed strength, a great heart. Next, if you're jotting down notes, the other reason why we suffering is suffering allows us to minister comfort to others who suffer. I know this firsthand as I was 20 years old and the doctor comes into the room and he says, Alan, you're the youngest individual in the United States. With a rare incurable spinal cord disease by the name of arachnoiditis after the seventh spinal tap, he tells me this. It could spread to your brain and it can kill you. There's not really any treatment plans in this time. He proceeds to leave the room. Obviously, I'm distraught. I'm at loss of words. I'm emotional. My parents are with me. They leave the room. As I know, they had some words with Christ, as did I. And I just pray. At that point in time, 20 years old, I've never prayed like I prayed that much before. 
And I cried out to God. And I remember talking to God. And as my parents came back minutes later, it felt like an eternity. They said, Alan, we have something to share with you. I said, I already know what you're going to say. That I'm going to be okay no matter what. And God was right. My pain is still here. I'm still suffering. But God is using me for his glory. And so I remember after that, I said, Lord, use me. Use me to help one person even, Lord. And so the same day at physical therapy, intense physical therapy, I met this guy by the name of Joe. Joe and his awesome wife, Jane. And he wanted to talk with me. But Joe had terminal cancer of the brain, and he was so grumpy And I'm like, Lord, I know I prayed this, but man, I didn't want you to answer it yet. Sometimes we say that, right? Lord, give me patience. And then what happens? You're in a moment where you need patience, but it's quickly. And that's exactly what happened. I'm like, but Lord, I want to talk to crotchety Joe right now. But I did. And he says, Alan, I want this to be a personal conversation. Shut the door. My great, this man's going to kill me. And so I go, I close the door and I'm like, Hey, Joe, what's going on? And honestly, to this day, is one of the best conversations I've ever had and got to witness to someone. He said, Alan, I had no hope, but after seeing you fight, you gave me hope. And that day, Joe accepted Jesus Christ into his life. I was able to minister to him. It was such a blessing. Crotchety Joe accepting Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. It's amazing. God allows us sometimes to suffer so we can minister comfort to others who are also suffering. Let them know that they're not alone in their pain, in their heartache, that Jesus is there by them side. And a great verse that reminds us of this is 2 Corinthians 1.4. It says, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Next and last in your notes, if you're jotting down, is suffering develops dependence on God. Man, did I learn this the hard way. It's so true. As painful as it is, suffering strips away the distractions of life. It can allow us to fixate our eyes on Jesus. Just like the song, you can have all this world. But give me Jesus. But give me Jesus. Allow my attention to be Jesus Allow the things that come out of my mouth be satisfaction for Jesus and point others to Jesus and direct them towards the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 is a great reminder that many of us know. Trust in the Lord with all your hearts and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. In Romans 8.17, verse before this, the Apostle Paul shares an important message that many of us believers don't like to hear. It's very hard to hear, but it's so important in building a mature Christian, in building our character. So I'm going to share with you anyways. It says, if we are going to share Jesus' future glory in heaven, we must first share his present sufferings on earth. This isn't very fun, right? Or something we'll get excited about, especially when we consider Jesus was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, as it tells us in Isaiah 53.3. 3. 
But Jesus tells us that if our Lord had sorrows, we too will have sorrows. If he was rejected too, we will also be rejected. And if he had to endure pain and suffering, we too will have to endure pain and suffering. I'm certain many of you watching are asking, but Alan, is the pain that I'm going through physically, emotionally, spiritually, is the is the spouse that I lost, is me being paralyzed, or me being in a power chair, unable to walk, or me heartbroken from the loss of someone, is it worth it all? Is there a big enough light at the end of the tunnel to justify enduring all this suffering I'm going through and persevering? And in Romans 8.18, we're told that, yes, we are. God answers this with a powerful yes. What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will give us later on in life. What a blessing. Our sufferings, our present sufferings are insignificant compared to the glory that soon that will soon be revealed to us. If you're jotting down notes. There's no comparison between the present hard times and the future days when we'll experience heaven. I experienced this firsthand. I get frustrated even to this day with my pain and my lack of mobility and things that I once was able to do and now I can't do and things that I want to be able to do for Brittany or with Brittany along with my children that I just can't physically do. But I keep telling myself and believing that God isn't wasting my pain and he isn't wasting yours either. As hard as it is to say this, God has used me in more ways through my pain than when I was healthy. And he could do the same for you as well. Your notes, if you're writing at home, and that's because God doesn't waste pain. I believe that all my pain, all my suffering, pain as a whole has a purpose in life. For example, if it wasn't for the pain, I wouldn't be sharing with you today. If it wasn't for the pain, I wouldn't be the man of God that I am today. If it wasn't for the pain, I wouldn't be the husband that I am today. If it wasn't for the pain, I wouldn't be the father that I am today. If it wasn't for the pain, I wouldn't be the son I am today. And if it wasn't for the pain, I'd still be leaning on myself instead of Jesus Christ. And of course, my pain isn't awesome. My disease isn't awesome. In fact, they are awful, both of them. But how I have seen God move in my life is awesome. And my creator, my Lord and Savior is awesome. And I couldn't imagine, and I'm so thankful I don't have to live this life without him. Next, if you're writing, scars remind us that we persevered through our deepest trials. They also gain strength. For example, when I look in the mirror and I see physical or emotional scars, I see a stronger man. Isaiah 55 through 8 through 9 is such a good reminder of this. It tells us, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts 
than your thoughts. What this reminds me of is if you jot down notes, let's put our complete trust in God because his ways and plans are always better than our own, even when they don't appear to make sense. What I've learned the most along the way is that we must walk by faith, not by sight. That's what a real follower of Jesus Christ is asked to do. That's what real faith is. It's believing, it's leaning on God and trusting him even when it doesn't make sense sometimes, even when our circumstances tell us otherwise, even when we're in hopeless circumstances and situations, we should trust and lean on God because it says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. For example, as a child and into my teenage years, I was an all-star athlete. I thought those were the plans that the Lord had for me, but my life took me on a different route. Just like he probably has taken you on a different route. At the age of 18, not even a year later after my first spinal cord surgery, I remember waking up in significant amount of pain on Valentine's Day. It took me almost two years to get diagnosed. Many tests, many failed treatments, many misdiagnosis, epidurals, spinal taps. And then... At the age of 20, doctor comes into the room and he shares with me horrific news that, Alan, you are the youngest individual with this rare and curable spinal cord disease by the name of arachnoiditis. And as he shared those messages with me, that word, as I already shared with you earlier, I thought to myself, well, Lord, now how are you going to use me? What is it that you want, Lord, from me? That day I call the worst day of my life because of the diagnosis, but I also call it the greatest because God really spoke directly to me that he did have a purpose and a plan for my life. And it was to be a motivational speaker and to help others, but also help myself because God's not done finishing using me until I take my last breath here on earth. And he's not done with you as well. So I always thought I was going to be the next Vince Scully or next baseball, or professional soccer player. But at that moment in time, God said, no, I want to use you in a greater way, by doing something more superior, by being a mouthpiece for me. So with that said, every ounce, every millisecond of my pain here on earth, every second in my wheelchair, every second I'm unable to walk will result in an overwhelming blessing in heaven. Every doctor's visit, every poke of the needle Every surgery, every MRI, CAT scan, PET scan, failed treatment, every misdiagnosis, and every moment that I live in a, le- a 10 out of 10 pain, all of it is infinitely meaningful because God will not waste it. Not even an ounce of it goes to waste because God doesn't waste our pain. He doesn't waste our trials. He doesn't waste our suffering. Every bit of it will pay off in the long run. God is using every moment of my pain and suffering for his glory. And when I go to heaven for his glory too, and to develop a stronger and more mature follower of Christ, and he wants to do the same in you and through you as well. 
now that we already have our Bibles open to 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. Let's read that. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We are at our strongest and spiritually in our walk with Christ when we are leaning completely 110% on God's superior strength, not on our own inferior strength. When we surrender all of our trials, all of our problems to God, and we have faith in Christ and Christ alone and not in ourselves. Philippians 4.13 is such a good reminder that I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's God's strength who strengthens us. In the prior two verses, 2 Corinthians 12.7-8, through 8, Paul mentions that there is a thorn in his flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment him. Bible scholars don't know exactly what this thorn was. Some suggest that maybe it was bad eyesight. Malaria, a speech impediment problem, maybe even guilt over his murderous past. But whatever Paul's thorn was, he wasn't happy. He was frustrating and it was weakening him. And he pleaded and not only once, not twice, but he pleaded with God three times to take it away from him. In the same way, many more times than three, I have pleaded with God to heal me from arachnoiditis. And despise Paul pleading and my pleading. God has said no, not yet at least. Because my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And as I think about this, I, I think about when I was at Hansa Center in 2013, they treat the entire body as a whole, not just give you pain prescription. And I remember being with my parents and my sister, and Brittany was my girlfriend at the time. And I remember passing a little chapel. And I just said a silent prayer to myself like I do a lot, but this time was so different. I just was almost in tears inwardly. I prayed and I said, Lord, just give me a sign, Lord, any sign. Like, if you want me to get better, show me. And if you don't, this was the hardest part, and I meant it from my heart. If you don't, I'm okay with that. But show me something, Lord. And no joke, a few minutes later, I'm just weeping and bawling because God did show me a sign. And I remember my parents and my wife and sister were so concerned because I couldn't even speak. For minutes later, I said, Alan, we, you want us to pull over? I said, yes. My, my legs feel stronger and I'm like 30% less pain. I feel like I could walk. So as my mom pulls over, I'm able to hold on to her. My legs were weak from still atrophy for so long, but I was able to walk a little bit. And I was on the road to recovery, but it didn't last for very long. And I believe that's because God is saying, no, not yet. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. 
as hard as that is for some of us, including myself, without getting teary-eyed, let's just sink that in for a minute into our mind and his heart as we go over it. The Living Bible Translation says, my power shows up best in weak people. That's so true. Think about stuttering Moses standing before the mighty Pharaoh. Or one of my favorites in the Bible, David, young and scrawny David, facing a fully armed nine-foot giant. Goliath was bigger, taller. He even was more experienced than anyone else, and he was fierce. But the thing is, he was much smaller than our God. And David, I think, must have thought about these words when he slain Goliath to the ground. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And as I shared just a minute earlier, Paul, Paul came to grips with the reality that his thorns, thorn wasn't a curse, but actually a blessing and a gift of grace for which he should be thankful. And God is patiently leading you and I also to that same place of resting in his sufficient, perfect grace and mercy. He's leading us to a place where we can't not only just celebrate the good times, but we could celebrate and rejoice in the suffering, the bad health, the difficult finances, our broken relationships, misdiagnosis, unable to walk, our broken relationships, and the people who knock us down who want to see us fail because they drain us and they make us weak. And when we're drained, torn, weak people, there's more room for God's grace and strength to fill our cup with overwhelming grace, joy, and strength. I remember when I was bedridden in my weakest point of my life, both physically and spiritually and also emotionally, I kept thinking to myself, Lord, what is it that you want to teach me? Why me? Why am I dealing with this, Lord? The moment he didn't answer me, and as I shared earlier, it wasn't for almost two years, I was finally diagnosed and he said, I want to use you, Alan, for me. And that wouldn't have happened if you were healthy. And even when I was preparing to speak today, it's crazy because he told me you enjoyed your sports for a season. And in this season of your life, I have something greater and more superior, even though you are weaker physically. And that's to be a mouthpiece for me, Alan. And I wouldn't have been one if I was healthy because I would be leaning on my own understanding, not Jesus's. And that is because God's power is made perfect in my weakness. Guys, I wasn't always this tough. I wasn't always this strong. I wasn't as joyful as I am here today. I needed a lot more maturing to do with my relationship with Christ before how I see life now, before I see it being beautiful even during tragedies, glorious even during heartache and hope during hopeless circumstances because my hope lies on Jesus. And I know that when I take my last breath here on earth, that I can count on going to heaven 
and that it's going to be worth all the pain, the torment, the agony, the days, the years, the hours of unable to walk. It will be worth it all when I get to see Jesus face to face in heaven. I want to end with this. If my pain, which I've said so many times, if it helps just one person, it's worth it all. It's worth it all. Some of you, as I mentioned earlier in the service, you're going through hell and back, but remember the hell you're going through is nothing compared to how marvelous heaven will be and how great the reward will be. Never give up. Giving up isn't an option. You must persevere. Fight the good fight of faith and hold on tight. Because the journey that God has on for you now, it's going to end in a moment when you take your last breath here on earth, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And I pray today, if you're not, that my story touches you and that you know that this life can be very short and that it could change in just the blink of an eye. And that you don't need a huge wake-up call like me, Alan Schwartz, does. God bless you guys. May we all walk in faith, fight the good fight of faith.